We've been in the book of Ephesians. The book of Ephesians is where we're going to be today. Chapter number one, we started this last Wednesday, Ephesians, the riches of glory in Christ Jesus. We are blessed people as Christians. Uh, and I'm excited to be a Christian. I'm, I'm happy that Christ is so good to us, and Christ is good. Uh, this year has been a, an interesting year, to say the least. Uh, it's been different. It's been different for our church. Uh, if you looked at our 2020 calendar, I was looking through it this week. Uh, if you look at your personal calendar, I'm sure a lot of things changed this year, but I was looking through the church calendar and just how many things changed uh, this last year. Things that we were planning on doing that obviously weren't in God's plans. Uh, but so many times it's easy to get bent out of shape when those things happen, is it not? Can I tell you, I get bent out of shape easy. If things don't go according to plan, I like to have things planned out, and I tend to be pretty flexible. Uh, this last week, Tuesday morning, uh, we've got Grayson. Uh, he's doing well. Thank you for your prayers for him. I know lots of you have asked. He's growing and doing great. He has his last eye appointment tomorrow afternoon uh, and should get the all clear from the doctor that he is good to go. Uh, but this week we had an appointment in Knoxville Tuesday. And so uh, we made plans. We had Landon stay at school all day. Uh, and we started driving down to Knoxville. And we like to go the back way down 11, miss all the 81 and 40 traffic. Uh, if there's an accident on 81, it doesn't bother us at all because we're on the back roads. Uh, plus, there was a cool little coffee shop that we wanted to go to in Rogersville on our way down. Uh, so we went and we got coffee and the best chicken biscuit I've ever had in my life. It was better than Chick-fil-A. And I'm sorry if you love Chick-fil-A and that is sacrilegious, but it was better than Chick-fil-A's. And so we got there, and we're on our way, and we are three-quarters of the way down to Knoxville, and I get a phone call from a Knoxville number. I don't normally get phone calls from Knoxville numbers, uh, and so I go, it's probably the doctor. And so we pick up the phone, uh, and they go, I'm sorry, we're going to have to cancel your appointment. And so for a second, I got in the flesh. Forgive me, okay? I did get in the flesh for a minute. And she goes, would you like to reschedule for tomorrow? I said, forgive me, I'm going to have to pull over my car because I left at 8 o'clock this morning to get to a 1130 appointment, so let me pull over so I can think. And I know that that poor lady, she was just the bearer of the bad news, all right? Uh, and so this is confessional this morning for me, okay? It was not her fault that the appointment was canceled. She didn't go tell the doctor uh, to have an emergency and cancel the appointment. Uh, but it was up to me, and my day was out of whack then. Nothing was going as planned. And the rest of the day, I just felt like that. Nothing went according to planned. I showed back up at the church. I told them I probably wasn't going to be there that morning. Uh, and Teresa, I walked in the door. She goes, what are you doing here? <laughs> I said, oh, don't get me started. Uh, but we get bent out of shape, don't we? But we've got to realize that God is in control of everything, that coronavirus, COVID-19, didn't take God by surprise. God wasn't surprised by uh, the calendar that pastor works painstakingly. He goes through, and I know you don't see this in the background, but when he plans that calendar, he sits down and he has a system. He's got notebooks. He's got printed calendar pages. He's got calendars pulled up on his computer. Uh, and bless his heart, even though he's colorblind, he has a color-coded calendar uh, that he uses. He highlights things in different colors, and uh, he's got this whole entire system. So before you get that paper in your hand in December, there have been months of preparation that have gone into it. And it'd be very easy for pastor to go, I spent months getting this calendar together. God, what are you doing? But we know God's in control of everything. He knew that we weren't going to go up to sight and sound in Pennsylvania this year. He knew that we weren't going to be able to do a lot of the things that we had planned this summer. Vacation Bible school, my favorite week of the year. Uh, he knew that that wasn't going to happen this year. And he has a plan in it all. And can I tell you, even though all those things didn't happen, God has been good to Bible Baptist Church. 
God has been good with the people that are here. Visitors that have come. Uh, we've had families that have started attending in the middle of coronavirus. I called my dad and I said, I can't believe that people started visiting Bible Baptist Church in the middle of a pandemic. Uh, but they did. Uh, and I'm thankful for each and every single one of you that are here this morning. Your faithfulness in giving. Your faithfulness to church. And can I promise you that God is faithful. And he is good. And he has blessed us. And so uh, on Wednesday night, if you weren't here, we're going to do a little bit of a review uh, we talked about the book of Ephesians. We said it was written by Paul. Uh, and it was written by Paul at an interesting time in his life. It was written by Paul while he was a prisoner. He's a prisoner in Rome, uh, and there he is in prison writing letters to churches, encouraging them. Can I tell you, that probably wasn't part of Paul's plan for his life. He probably didn't say, well, I'm excited. Next year, I'm going to go to prison for doing nothing wrong except proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what I'm going to do. Next year, I'm going to take some time to write from prison. I need to relax, I need a vacation, so I'm going to go there just to take a break from my travels for a little bit. That wasn't part of Paul's plan, I'm sure, uh, but it was part of God's perfect plan, and God used him while he was in prison. He didn't allow his circumstances to affect his ministry. Can I tell you, it's so easy. Tuesday, I allowed my circumstances to affect my testimony, to affect my entire day, and I sat there at night and said, you know what? I didn't have to drive all the way to Knoxville. Maybe there was an accident down the road God was protecting me from. Uh, you know, maybe Grayson didn't really need to go to the appointment, okay? It was a skin doctor. He just didn't need to go to that one. Uh, maybe there was somebody there that had coronavirus that was going to give it to Grayson, and so God protected us from all that, but we get so bent out of shape, and we forget that God is in control. Well, here's Paul. He's writing a book from prison, and we said it's also written about the same time as the book of Colossians, Philippians, and Philemon. Uh, we call them prison epistles. He wrote them from prison. And so I'm thankful for that. You should be in the book of Ephesians. I'm going to open my Bible, too. That'd probably be a good thing if I'm going to preach this morning. Ephesians chapter number 1. We said he opened the book with his traditional greeting that we see so often. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus, and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. He realized that it was the will of God where he was, what he was to be doing. And it was the will of God for him to write this letter to the church at Ephesus. And so Wednesday night, we looked at the first part of the chapter. We talked about the blessings of God, the spiritual blessings that we have in Jesus. Number one, uh, we saw that we are chosen. We are chosen by God. And how should that make you feel that you are chosen? It makes me think back to your elementary school days when you were getting ready to play kickball. Did you want to be the last person standing out there and nobody wanted to choose you? You just wanted to be that person that everyone's like, well, I guess we'll take Bishop on our team because he, he's the only one left. Nobody wants to be that. We want to be chosen. You wanted to be the first one to be chosen. Uh, and, and we like to be chosen. God has chosen us. We said not only that, but God has predestinated us, uh, not to salvation, but he's predestinated us to be adopted. When we are saved, as soon as we are saved, we become adopted by God the Father. And we have a heavenly Father that will never let us down, that will always be there for us, that will provide us all the good things that we need in life and will be there every step of the way. So he predestinated us to the adoption to be sons of God, and then we are accepted in the beloved. We are highly favored by God. What an exciting thing that is. We're going to continue this morning. We're going to continue reading through this chapter and seeing the blessings of God that he has given to us that we have in him. So if you have your Bibles, I hope you're open to the book of Ephesians by now. We're going to start in verse 7. The Bible says, In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, 
according to the riches of his grace, wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he has purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are in earth, even in him, and whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be to the praise of his glory who, hath fir who first trusted in Christ. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for your word and the riches that we have in you. Uh, Lord, the physical blessings that we have here living in the United States of America, but Lord, also the spiritual blessings that you have given us, uh, and most importantly, and I just thank you for those. I pray this morning as we look at these four uh, from your word that you just help it to be an encouragement to those that are here to realize how rich we are in you. We thank you and praise you for what you're going to do. Pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We see, number one, that we have redemption. We have redemption. Verse number seven, it starts off right away. It says, in whom we have redemption. Uh, now, what is redemption? A redemption is defined as a deliverance as a result of the payment of a ransom. Christ has bought us. He bought us. Human beings who originally, we know back in the Garden of Eden, God created Adam and Eve. We were his. We were his creation. But then Adam and Eve went and sinned. And isn't it easy to get mad at Adam and Eve and go, why did they have to go do that? They could eat of anything in the garden. They had it made. They didn't have to weed the garden. There was no pain in childbirth. Ladies are going, why? Why did they have to do that? Uh, but can I tell you that if Adam and Eve haven't messed up, Daniel Bishop would have messed it up for everybody at some point, okay? Uh, we would have. But we were God's creation from the beginning, and we messed it up. And now... As by one man, sin entered into the world, and then death by sin. So now all we, we all experience death. But can I tell you that God loved us so much that even though we were his creation, he came, sent his only son to die on the cross for our sins, and bought us back with the bloodshed of his only begotten son. Uh, keep reading on in the verse. It says, in whom we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sins. It took a blood sacrifice. Now, if you look back in the Old Testament, they would sacrifice a lamb that was without spot, without blemish. And that was how they atoned for their sins because they were looking forward to the coming Messiah who would die on the cross and be the ultimate sacrifice for their sins. Today, we have the, the benefit uh, of being able to look back and having that hindsight and seeing that Christ came back and paid that price for the sins so we don't have to go sacrifice lambs. And I am thankful for that because Christ came and paid that ultimate sacrifice on the cross. He shed, his only, he shed his blood. It's a blessing that God gave us. He sent his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. This world is not the end game. When we die, the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. One day, our earthly bodies will deteriorate. We will die, okay? And when you wake up every morning and those aches and pains that you have and uh, you don't run as quick as you used to and it takes you a couple minutes to get that back going and to get the knees going and the hips going uh, and that hair is starting to turn a little bit gray, uh, maybe it's starting to fall out like mine, it's starting to recede back. Uh, you've got all these things and you realize there's signs every day that our body is deteriorating. We don't, we're not part of evolution. We're not getting better and better. I don't know about you. I'm not getting better and better. Uh, it's all going downhill. 
uh, you know, we've got the security cameras up around church, and so I hate going into Terry's office and standing there because I can look at the top of my head and realize that my hair is thinning on top. And Terry and Teresa were very nice to point that out the other day to me, too. They're like, look, it's a little thin up there. Uh, It is. We're deteriorating. But can I tell you that one day I'm going to die, and I'll be immediately with my Heavenly Father. I'll immediately be in heaven, a place where there's no more pain, no more suffering, no more tears to be shed. And what a great promise that is. And if you're here this morning and you aren't 100% sure that heaven is your home, if you don't have that assurance that when you die, uh, that you will be in heaven, can I tell you, you can have it taken care of today. You can know for sure that when you lay your head on the pillow tonight, when you drive home from this church service, that heaven is your home. Uh, People drive crazy. And I would say it's an East Tennessee thing, but it's not an East Tennessee thing. Uh, When I grew up in Northern Virginia, we always said it was Maryland drivers. People, and if you're from Maryland, I apologize. People from Maryland can't drive. All right, I got ran off the road to here in Kingsport, Tennessee, uh, probably about a year ago, and the first words out of my mouth were, must have been a Maryland driver. And lo and behold, they had Maryland tags on their car. So it just went to prove that that's true, okay? Uh, But you can have that that surety that if you were to get in a car accident on the way home from church, because we just don't know, that you, if you were to die today, that you would be in heaven. What a great promise that is. We have redemption. We've been had that ransom that was paid. Jesus Christ shed his blood on the cross. John 8, 36 says, If the Son, therefore, shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. We've been freed from the bondage, from the power of sin. We don't allow, have to allow it to have dominion over us anymore. We can have freedom from that sin. You've heard me talk about before, a lot of times, even though we are saved and we're freed from sin, A lot of times we carry the weight and the burden of sin on our life because we refuse to let it go. Not because we've been freed from it, but we're holding on to our sin and we don't want to let it go. Uh, And tonight in the message, you're going to hear about the Holy Spirit and the gift of the Holy Spirit given to us, two different parts, uh, and the conviction that he gives us sin. And we can have freedom from that sin, but we have to let it go. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of of sins. What does 1 John 1 9 say? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So, number one, we see we have redemption, but number two, we have forgiveness. We have forgiveness of our sins. I grew up, and probably like most of you grew up, if I did something wrong, my parents made me say I'm sorry to my siblings. I have two siblings. I'm the oldest, they were both younger than me. My brother's lot in life. Uh, was to get on my nerves. He knew how to push my buttons. He knew how to get on my nerves, and that's what he did, and he did it well. Uh, And so he was great at it, and there'd be so many times that I would get in trouble because I would do something to him, but I'm sure he started it and probably deserved it too. But my parents would say, Daniel, go apologize to your brother. So I'd have to go before him and say, I'm sorry, David, for hitting you, for pushing you, for being mean to you, whatever it was, Uh, and I had to apologize to him. And you know, when I apologized to him, I expected a response. I expected him to say, what do you say after someone says, I'm sorry? Okay, a couple people know what you say. Maybe we need to have a lesson. I I forgive you, okay? That's what you should say. Uh, You should forgive someone. Um, Kelly and I, in our marriage, I'm going to tell a story on us. That's very important to me. And Kelly would forgive me. If ever I did something wrong, Kelly, if I said I'm sorry, she would forgive me in a heartbeat because she loves me. I don't know why. I haven't figured that out yet, but she does. And I'm very thankful for that. 
but I would say I'm sorry. And in her head, she would say, I forgive you. You know when you first get married, do you remember first getting married? Have you guys ever had any disagreement? I'll talk to the newlyweds over here. Have you had any disagreements in your marriage? You have. It happens. Why? Because we're two different people. We grew up two, in two different families, two different ways, and we have these disagreements. And so I would let it bother me because in her heart, she would forgive me. And I'd say, you know what, Kelly, it really bothers me if you don't say I forgive you right away. Is that right of me? Was I really sorry if that was what I was expecting in return? No, I wasn't. Did she really forgive me? Yes, she had really forgiven me. Uh, but me and my sin, okay, so I was still in sin. I needed to get it right with God, okay? I'm still working on it. Uh, but we expected that response. Can I tell you, sometimes you'll say you're sorry to people and they'll never say, I forgive you. There's some people that might not even admit that they ever did anything wrong to you. Have you ever had that happen before? But can I tell you, when we confess our sins, when we accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior, he forgave us of our sins immediately. When we confess our sins, he is faithful and he is just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You'll never run into a sin that is too big for God to forgive. And as Christians, so many times we say, oh, this sin is bigger, this sin is smaller. It was just a little white lie, so it's not that bad. It was just a, it was just a small thing that I did. But can I tell you, sin is sin is sin. No sin is right. Every sin is wrong and needs to be confessed to God. Not confessed to me, not confessed to, uh, to pastor. We are not the priest. I am a bishop. I am not a priest, okay? Don't come confess your sins to me. I don't want to know, all right? If you need somebody to talk to, I will happily talk to you. But you don't have to come into the office every single day and come to confessional and confess your sins. You can go directly to the throne room of God and confess your sins to him. And he promises, I will forgive you. He's faithful. We have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. What is the basis for redemption, for forgiveness? Uh, it's not because we are such great people. It's not because we are just these awesome Christians and we are here, we are these amazing people that, uh, that we deserve this. It's not by any of that. It's by God's grace, according to his grace. The grace of God, unmerited favor, things that we don't deserve. Uh, I don't deserve to have my sins forgiven. I don't reserve, deserve that redemption as a, Christ, as a human being because of my flesh, because I sin and I, I let God down. But can I tell you, because of his grace, he gave it to me according to the riches of his grace. I'm thankful for the riches of his grace. Paul told Titus, it is by God's mercy and grace that we are justified. Turn with me to Titus chapter number 3. Titus 3. And verse number 3, Titus 3, 3, I'll give you a second to turn there. Uh, he's abounded toward us by the riches of his grace. Verse number 8 starts out while you're turning to Titus 3, wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence. God is wise. He doesn't make mistakes. He's abounded toward us. He is rich in grace. In Titus chapter 3, verse number 3, the Bible says, For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving divers' lust and pleasures, living in malice and envy and hateful and hating one another. And you say, I don't struggle with any of those things. Well, look at your spouse and have them tell you the things you struggle with because sometimes they can see it better than you can. Uh, but we struggle with these things. Uh, but after verse number four, but after that, the kindness and the love of God, our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. It's nothing that we did, but it is the kindness and the love of God and God's mercy and his grace towards us that he saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewing 
of the Holy Ghost. He washed us. When we were saved, the Bible gives the analogy, we are washed, we are cleansed from sin. It's gone. It should be eradicated out of our lives. That doesn't mean we are perfect immediately. It doesn't mean that you won't struggle with temptation anymore because we still have that sin nature as human beings. But it does mean that Christ has forgiven us. He's washed us as white as snow. But then it goes on and says, and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. And we'll look at it tonight. I'm not going to get into it. But as soon as you get saved, can I tell you, you are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. And he's given you that Holy Spirit to live inside of you, to convict of sin, uh, and to be with you. And we'll look at that tonight. So I hope you'll listen uh, along at 6 p.m. Uh, in the renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed, verse number 6, on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. We are heirs in Christ Jesus. We are justified. In God's eyes, made just as if we had never sinned, as just as if we had done nothing wrong. Christ loved us that much that he redeemed us, that he forgives our sins. Uh, and just like it says here, we are justified by his grace that we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Not only do we have forgiveness of sins, but number three, we have a revelation that's given to us. Look at verse number 11 with me. The Bible says that in the dispensation, sorry, back in Ephesians chapter 1, if you're not there already, Ephesians chapter number 1, verse number 10. Let's start there. It says that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together. Let's go back to verse number 9. I'm sorry, I wrote down the wrong verse in my notes. Verse number 9 says, Having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are in earth, even in him. Christ has given us a revelation. Well, what does it say? He's made known unto us the mystery of his will. God didn't save you to keep you in the dark. God didn't save you to wonder your whole entire life. What should I do as a Christian? He's revealed it to us. He's made known unto us what his good pleasure is. It pleased God in planning to reveal his will to us. He's not some person up in heaven that's, that wants to keep you in the dark. What is the will of God for our life? We've talked about this before, so we won't spend a ton of time on it. Can I tell you that part of the will of God in your life is to spend time in the word of God? Not just while you're here at church opening your Bibles and together in corporate worship. And there is a time and there is a place for that. And it is important to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. But can I tell you that you're, if that's where your relationship with God ends, you're not in the will of God. What else is the will of God? Uh, it's the will of God to read the Bible, to pray, to have that relationship with him. It's the will of God for us to share his love with other people as well. I tell you, every single Christian in here, you're going, I wonder what the will of God is for my life, what I should do. It's to read your Bible, to pray, to tell others about Jesus Christ. I can guarantee you, every single Christian in this room, that is the will of God for your life today. Now, do I know what the will of God is for your life tomorrow? Well, I can tell you it starts with those three things, okay? Uh, do I know if, if God wants to call you to be a missionary to a foreign country? I can't tell you that. Uh, that's between you and God. And as we faithfully serve him and we stay in his will that he has revealed to us in his word, can I tell you, he will show us the next step, step by step by step. That doesn't always mean he's going to show us 50 steps ahead. I would love that. If God had say, hey, here's my five-year plan, here's my 10-year plan, here's my 15-year plan, this is where you're going to be in 20 years, and God doesn't always reveal it to us like that, but he, ha he will reveal his will, and he will reveal the next steps to us if we're faithful in doing what he has called us to do. 
faithful to church, faithful in his word, faithful in reading the word of God and praying and telling others about him. He's made known the mystery of his will. Why? Because it pleased God. According to his good pleasure, which he hath made, which he hath purposed in himself. One day in the dispensation of the fullness of times, when it is the time he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are in earth, even in him. You know, it's not about what we want, our time schedules. Uh, it's all about God and his plan. We can make a 2021 calendar. And can I tell you, Pastor uh, is already writing dates down and ideas down for 2021. Uh, and Pastor can go through and make that entire calendar. But can I tell you that it can be changed in an instant? We've learned that this year. That our plans aren't always God's plans. That doesn't mean that we should just go live life uh, carefree and not make plans and not plan for the future. I've heard people say, well, I don't need to plan for retirement because God's in control of everything. He should just do everything. Can I tell you? Plan ahead, okay? Be smart. God's also given us common sense. He has. Uh, but can I tell you that we shouldn't get so stuck in our plans that when God moves us, that when God changes our plans, that it completely ruins our day, our week, our month. Uh, and we go, God, this isn't what I planned. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's all about God and his plan for our life. And in the fullness of his time, when it's his time, he will make known his will to you. Verse number 11 continues, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance. Can I tell you that in Christ we have an inheritance? We've looked through the riches of God's glory and his grace and his goodness to us. We have an inheritance. What is that inheritance? Let's keep on reading in the verse. Being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ. We have an inheritance. Can I tell you, if you're saved, if you're born again, that when you pass away, heaven is your home. We'll look tonight at the Holy Spirit uh, is given to us to seal us as an inheritance to us. Uh, the promise that Christ is coming back again one day. And what a great and glorious day that will be. But until that time, what are we supposed to do on this earth? We've been given an inheritance. Why? Verse number 12 says that we should be to the praise of his glory. Paul wrote in Thessalonians that the name of the Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse number 12, Christ should be glorified in our lives. We have the riches of grace in Christ Jesus, but let me ask you, is Christ glorified through your life? Do we live like we are blessed people, or do we kind of live like a, a, an Eeyore Christian? Oh, woe is me. Everything is wrong. Everything is bad. Uh, this is going wrong, and this is going wrong, and we forget about the riches of God. Yes, we live in an imperfect world where disease happens, where surgeries happen, where money issues happen, where uh, COVID-19 will happen. But can I tell you that that doesn't change the riches of glory in Christ Jesus. Nothing can change those. Nothing will change his forgiveness of sins. Uh, nothing will change that you are chosen by God, that you are adopted, that you are accepted, that you are redeemed, that you are forgiven, and that God has revealed his will to us and that we have an inheritance in him. Nothing can change that. Nothing on this earth will change any of those things. So let's remember those. When you get discouraged, these are things that I can promise you are all still there. They are all still promises of God, and he's never gone back on his promise. Uh, we'll look at that again tonight. Can I tell you, God is good all the time. And I hope from these messages that you will take that away. That's what you'll take away from these, uh, that God is good even in the difficult times, even when God changes our plans, uh, that he is still good. 
In the book of Ephesians, we'll continue tonight, and we'll finish off with the, the riches of glory in Christ Jesus that he's given us by talking about the Holy Spirit. But the whole entire book, let me encourage you, at uh, some point this week, week, read through chapter 1, chapter 2. If you want to read through the whole book, it's not that long. Six chapters, uh, it's easy to get through, but it will be an encouragement to you. It will strengthen you. Uh, it will convict you at points. And it is just a great book of the Bible. And I hope that you'll enjoy it, that you'll read these passages of Scripture.